Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Brian Crombie Radio Hour on Saga 960. Uh, a friend of mine who I really admire, he's a, uh, a very successful recruiter in uh, Toronto, recently posted an article about uh, Twitter looking for a new CEO and, uh, and how uh, it's actually not Mission Impossible. It could be an opportunity of a lifetime. And it was really an interesting article about uh, what Twitter should be looking for in a CEO. So I want to introduce you all to uh, Jay Rosenzweig, who is uh, with uh, Rosenzweig and Company, as I mentioned, a recruiting company here in Toronto, and they are a global company recruiting uh, top executives and board members, and uh, and he's very involved in a bunch of charitable works. But tonight, we're going to be talking about hiring a high-profile CEO. Jay, why did you write this thing about uh, about mission impossible or opportunity of a lifetime? Well, you know, I, I, I saw a lot of talk about uh, Elon Musk taking over Twitter uh, and and lots of speculation about uh, whether or not he's the right individual to to actually lead the company into greener pastures um, for many reasons. Uh, people question that for many reasons, including the fact that he's running two other very, very significant uh, businesses, uh, obviously one being Tesla, the other one being SpaceX. Um, so even from a capacity point of view, uh, some wondered whether or not this is something that he could properly take on. And then, of course, there was all kinds of controversy around some of the quick moves that he made and a lot of the departures. So I thought, uh, given where I sit in terms of being a leadership strategist, that perhaps I could uh, chime in on uh, what the best approach might be. And what do you think that approach is? So I think... Um, uh, for uh, an organization with this level of uh, complexity and, and issues that it's facing, including the fact that it's not a profitable business, even though it's a very prominent and well-known uh, business with, I think, 360 million uh, individuals on the platform, uh, that uh, one needs to really step back and, uh, and, and try to understand really um, what are the symptoms here? What, what are the issues that uh, we need to dive into in order to sort of stabilize the patient, if you will, and then, um, and then understand really from a strategic point of view, uh, you know, what are the avenues that we could work on to take the business into the right direction and into profitability? And once we understand the business objectives of a client of that nature, then we can step back even further and develop a, a research strategy designed to meet the business issues at play. I thought your uh, one of your opening paragraphs where you said, it's like giving this impossible assignment. It's like giving a kamikaze pilot a two-ship quota. <laughs> exactly. I, I, think, I think Twitter's reached the point where um, there's no longer any room for error. Um, and, and I think if... Uh, 
Elon were to think about this logically, he'd, he'd want to take the kind of approach where, um, you know, you cut once, uh, but you cut properly uh, from, a, from the point of view of tailoring uh, a proper solution to take the leadership into the right direction. Um, so from my perspective, it's not necessarily about the usual suspects out there uh, as an example. So all kinds of names like Sheryl Sandberg, former COO of Facebook are being bandied about. I think it's a matter of uh, really taking the right steps to, uh, to develop a customized research strategy of individuals who may not be the obvious suspects. Like as an example, I remember years ago, IBM was in trouble. Um, and uh, uh, the leadership uh, in terms of board of directors and whatnot took a, an interesting leap outside of the tech world and hired a guy named Lou Gerstner, if I remember correctly, yep. former McKinsey consultant, former Nabisco uh, and Amex executive, uh, who really didn't have that Silicon Valley tech experience, uh, but he was the right person for the right time. Um, and I have some examples in my own experience in recruitment where, where um, really thinking a little bit more broadly and taking that step back can result in bringing in really the best, uh, the best possible candidate for the job. You don't think hand. that uh, to run Twitter, you'd need to have someone that, you know, has got the, the creds on in Silicon Valley and in the tech world? Not, not necessarily. Uh, it might be. Uh, and, and, and perhaps, as we call it kind of internally at the office, perhaps, you know, tech professionals would be um, category A in terms of a research strategy, but not necessarily. I'll give you another, another example outside of tech. I remember a banking client coming to me and uh, lamenting the fact that, that um, he, couldn't, he couldn't uncover the right kind of marketing executive uh, for the bank. Uh, he had worked with some of the big recruiting firms and uh, hired some, uh, you know, presumably great candidates on the marketing side, but they never seemed to bring something different to the table. Uh, and, and he was looking to really innovate. So I asked him at the time, well, where are these candidates coming from? And his response was, well, they're coming from the banking sector. They're coming from competitors. Uh, to which I said, well, if you're looking to really innovate, Perhaps that's not the right place to be. Um, you know, what, what is the focus of, of marketing within a bank? It's, it's the retail operations. Maybe you should be looking at the gap uh, and, and other true re retailers who, who are eons ahead of you in terms of uh, the kind of marketing uh, innovations that they bring to the table. And sure enough, we took on the project and, and brought them someone from a true retailer and uh, the client indicated to me that um, he's he's never made a better hire. So sometimes really, it's, it's better yeah. to it's better to kind of go out of the box, if you will, as the cliche goes, uh, under certain circumstances. You talk about the banking industry. Bank of Nova Scotia uh, brought in a board member, I think, as the CEO this past uh, year, December yeah. or November. And um, a lot of people were quite critical of that in the marketplace, mm -hmm. saying that that was completely illogical. Uh, coming in, uh, albeit a board member with uh, yeah. no banking background. And so you're yeah. saying actually, even though people were critical, it might've been a smart decision. Sometimes um, the uh, the counterintuitive move could could end up resulting in, in a huge home run. You just, you just, uh, you just can't predict it. And, and who knows, maybe in the Scotiabank example, 
um, that will ring true. What I always recommend to my clients uh, to draw like um, a sports analogy, if you will, is to really draft great athletes um, because great athletes will eventually find find their groove and often end up being uh, the best possible hires that you can make. Um, you know, and I, think I think everyone that, wants to do that rebuilding in a hockey team or whatever and draft those uh, athletes. Yeah. But don't you have to trade for the winners in the end? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Um, it, it depends on, on the context and it depends on the, the particular scenario. Uh, sometimes a first-round draft pick could be um, – you know, even more powerful than, than, uh, than the, the, uh, the side trades that you make. No, I agree with you. And I, as you know, I've uh, been involved in, in hockey a couple of times past in my career. Um, I think you build the base on those yeah. draft picks uh, mm-hmm. and there, and, and there's no question about that, but uh, I think example after example means in the end to really get to the Stanley cup or whatever the equivalent is in another sport, yeah. you may need to trade uh, for those last couple of spots and, uh, and be- pay up. And, uh, and, and people over and over uh, do that, whether it's the Raptors a couple of years ago that, uh, that built uh, a great uh, draft uh, base um, and then had to trade for the guy that ended up, uh, you know, being yep. the star in the end. Uh, anyway, we're going to take a break for some messages and come back uh, in just two minutes with Jay Rosenzweig talking a little bit more about Twitter and their challenges and what they should be doing and, and Elon Musk and whether he is the, uh, the solution to, to Twitter's woes. Stay with us, everyone. Back in two minutes. Stream us live at saga960am.ca. Welcome back, everyone, to the Brian Crumby Radio Hour on Saga 960. The topic tonight is um, hiring for a, a, a big company, uh, a tech company, but I think it's applicable to a lot of other uh, scenarios as well. And we may touch on this sort of uh, another issue that's come up uh, in regards to um, CEOs that are sort of bigger than life and that uh, have this big image. And some people are saying uh, that when you get a CEO, and, and it's been really evident in the tech world in the last couple of months, a CEO that ends up being a megalomaniac or a narcissistic or whatever you want to call the words and ends up being sort of more public and, and higher profile than the company itself. Is that good or is that bad? Um, uh, you know, some people in the past uh, used to say, if you buy a hockey team or a sports team, uh, you get on a magazine and you win, it, win a big award, um, sell that stock because the, the, the CEO is more interested in his own profile, less interested in the profit of the company. Not sure if that's true, but I heard that once. Anyway, my guest tonight is Jay Rosenzweig. He is the founder CEO of Rosenzweig and Company, a recruiting company here in Toronto. Uh, he uh, recruits people globally, uh, does that at a very senior executive level and board level, um, and is very involved, as uh, I mentioned earlier, in the charitable sector. And I've uh, had the privilege of talking to him previously about some work he does uh, uh, in human rights uh, and uh, and actually in anti-Black uh, discrimination as well. And, uh, and we may touch on that later. But Jay... I, th- I found it interesting in your article that you actually went through Twitter and uh, some of their challenges. And, and you talked about uh, um, stabilizing the patient and uh, employees and the big uh, and the big amount of staff that uh, the Twitter uh, and uh, Musk ended up firing. You talked about uh, hate speech and uh, the problem with that. And then you also talked about the struggle to monetize and create revenue. That's a three, you know, just off the top, three <laughs> mighty challenges. Yeah, there's a there's a lot in there. Um, first of all, the interesting thing is 
Um, obviously, Elon Musk is 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 a different kind of different kind of duck, if you will. He he went on Twitter um, and took a straw poll and and basically said, "Look, um, uh, I'm opening up the straw poll to the Twitter users, and um, yes or no is my question. Should I be the leader moving forward? And I'll abide by whatever." Um, whatever the response is. And I think like 57 or 58% of responses- 57 and a half percent said yes. <laughs> said, uh, yes, you should step down and, and, and bring on a new uh, CEO. Um, lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It would require um, a really strong leader. But then he said... No one wants the job that will keep it alive. There's no successor. So like right away, he he <laughs> went against his own tweet, his own agreement. That's, that's true. But I would argue he's he's wrong in, in, in that regard. I, I would argue the problem is he's not looking deep enough. The problem is he's not setting up a proper process uh, to, to bring in the really great candidates. So you need a great leader to deal with issues such as, you know, hate speech versus freedom of expression. How do I build this uh, revenue model into one that's profitable? Like all of these issues are are so incredibly uh, deep and um, and complex. How do I develop a motivated team to help me achieve all these qualities? Um, so what I say in the paper is that essentially this could be an opportunity of a lifetime because you're talking about a brand that's extremely well known. Um, and can be leveraged. You're talking about a, a business that has 360 million users. Um, so there's a massive opportunity here. But in addition to being growth oriented, as I say, this is the kind of leader who would need to come in, first of all, and stabilize the business. This could be an opportunity of a lifetime, or it could be mission impossible. Opportunity of a lifetime, if Elon Musk gives the reins over to a great leader and gives him enough rope to be able to do his or her thing. Do you think um, he's the type of, of leader, the type of CEO that can actually hand off uh, responsibility to someone else? Yeah. He seems to be one of these micromanagement kind of guys. That's what worries me. Um, it, it, I, I, I think the jury's still out. Um, in fact, most might say that, um, you know, this is an impossibility. Therefore, becoming CEO is mission impossible because he'll have his hands too deeply in the pie such that um, the, the, a great leader wouldn't have the capability to, to, uh, to build this thing into a win. So that's the big thing. It, it all hinges uh, for better or for worse on, on uh, Elon Musk's behavior, which is uh, often mercurial, as I say in my paper. <laughs> so that's the biggest challenge. If he could somehow be convinced to stay out of it to the extent possible, um, then it's uh, the opportunity of a lifetime. Otherwise, as I say, it's mission impossible. Now, when he uh, first took over, he ended up uh, 
um, exiting numerous different people, like a bulk yes. of the workforce. Was that the right decision, do you think? And and is that better or worse for an incoming potential CEO? Well, as I understand it, um, uh, he, he did uh, dismiss or have individuals leave who um, are fundamental to security issues as it relates to Twitter, which stresses me out a little bit as a, as a Twitter user, um, because I, I, think, I think he cut too much um, or caused others to leave that were important. And, and as I understand it, he actually went back to some individuals and asked them to come back. Um, but that is kind of a, a, a small grouping of individuals who shouldn't have gone. But the thing that I marvel at is after all of these cuts, um, the application is still working perfectly fine. <laughs> um, you know, Twitter, uh, I haven't seen many glitches on the day-to-day -day basis. Um, so one wonders if um, in some of these larger tech companies, if there's a little bit too much, let's say, fat uh, that can be carved off. Um, and uh, one wonders if there's a little bit too much waste. We've seen as well uh, Meta and, and Google um, uh, recently dismiss a whole, a whole bunch of uh, executives as well given the uncertainty of our economy. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that um, uh, that uh, Elon cut back on staff. Um, I just wonder if this approach um, was reckless and, and, and his recklessness, in fact, also spurred departures that he didn't even want. I worked for uh, Jim Pattison at one point in time who was uh, renowned for buying companies. And he used to have an adage that if you're going to do a restructuring, do it yeah. fast and do it deep because you don't want people thinking there's another cut coming. You want people to be confident that the cut has been done and uh, we're now back into uh, growth stage. Uh, and so that would almost suggest that uh, that what Musk did, which was dramatic, maybe a little bit too deep, but quick, was uh, was actually the right strategy. What do you think about that? I think I think there is merit to it. Absolutely. Uh, as I say, he may have been a bit reckless. Um but uh, conceptually, I, I, I do agree with Pattison's point of view. What about uh, this uh, issue of hate speech versus freedom of speech? Uh, you know, it's it's been a big issue uh, for a lot of Twitter users. It doesn't appear to be as big of an issue on some of the other uh, social media platforms. And I think part of it is because of the ability to have uh, anonymity in uh, in in Twitter. Where Where do you come out on hate speech versus free speech? So it's interesting, um, going back to my human rights work, um, as you know, uh, I chair Erwin Kotler's Raw Wallenberg Center for Human Rights. Erwin happens to be uh, an expert on hate speech. And in fact, I was just uh, rereading this, uh, this book, Striking a Balance, which Erwin um, uh, contributed to, essentially uh, analyzing the, the apparent contradiction between for example, criminalizing hate propaganda uh, and uh, you know First Amendment rights, and uh, in Canada, the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms has our Section Two B, uh, freedom, namely freedom of expression. I actually, wrote like a 200-page paper in law school for uh, Professor Kotler when I first met him uh, on um, hate speech versus uh, um, hate speech criminalization. Section 319 of the Canadian Criminal Code versus Section 2B of the Charter and the, the apparent contradiction. 
Um, and where we came out on it, in fact, uh, Professor Kotler um, litigated this in the Supreme Court of Canada. There was a case called Keekstra. Uh, Jim Keekstra out in uh, Calgary was a high school teacher who, uh, who taught his students that the Holocaust didn't happen. And he was prosecuted under Section 19 of the Canadian Criminal Code for hate speech. Um, and uh, the appeals went all the way up to the uh, Supreme Court of Canada. And um, it was a very, very seminal case, which went five to four in favor of upholding the Canadian criminal uh, provision. Um, uh, and uh, the justification, which uh, just Chief Justice Dixon actually gave in the majority opinion, was that the Holocaust didn't begin in the gas chambers. It began with words. These are the chilling facts of, uh, of dangerous hate speech and incitement to violence. Um, so it's a very fine line. Uh, some of these organizations, including Facebook, have developed these um, uh, third-party um, ethical committees uh, who look at uh, various cases that are on the line to decide what goes in and what goes out. It's not an exact science. There are many civil libertarians who are free speech absolutists who, who argue that uh, the marketplace of ideas allow all of this to be washed out. I'm not one who agrees with that. I'm, I'd be very, very careful with any speech that is limited, let alone criminalized. But there does come a point where incitement uh, um, can lead to a very real threat of, of violence. We've seen that in Rwanda and, and, and other genocidal um, uh, tragedies like that. And, and of course, the Holocaust itself, as I alluded to. Well, my my favorite American president, uh, President Bartlett, you might know him, um, yeah. made some comment about um, that uh, a true American had not only uh, had to be able to salute the American flag, but to uh, defend someone's right to burn it. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but it was something like that. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Is that 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 you can you can desecrate uh, uh, your 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 country's flag or the national anthem or something like that, and still is that freedom? I think the analysis needs to be: um, is the action or the or the hate uh, or the propaganda dangerous enough? Is the incitement dangerous dangerous enough that uh, one can logically see um, uh, threats of very real and very lethal violence. And that's a very, very difficult nexus to make. Um, so that's the analysis you'd have to, you'd have to do. I, I haven't thought deeply enough about burning of flags to, to uh, give you an answer on that specific example, but I think it, there'd have to be a real threat of violence coming out of the hate speech. One of my friends just uh, today on Facebook or Instagram posted something. I don't know what it was because it had a little message saying this information is deemed to be uh, incorrect by a fact fact checker. So that's not hate speech necessarily, but these are probably conspiracy theory kind of uh, issues that that someone is uh, deeming inappropriate. Is that right for Twitter, Facebook, Instagram to uh, to disallow? I think that if it's simply incorrect information, um, if if you have some sort of tab on top of it, like uh, plastered onto the message saying this information is incorrect because, um, you know, maybe in that case that that's sufficient rather than 
banning a person uh, for 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 that kind of uh, speech. Um, again, it would have to you'd have to assess on a case by case basis um, whether or not that untruth um, can produce a level of violence such that the individual would need to be banned. The third issue that you raised, which is a really big one, is the lack of profitability. And I was astounded that you quoted that uh, um, Twitter only gets 0.9% of online uh, advertising dollars and that even that they went down 50% uh, last year. What's the solution there? And that's got to be a huge challenge for any uh, CEO uh, yeah. that's running uh, a company for a guy that just spent, what was it, $44 billion buying it? Yeah, I, I find that extremely shocking. Um I, I honestly don't know the answer. We, we need to bring in an expert um, in, in new growth and generation uh, to solve that, to, to crack that nut. But you would think um, a brand such as Twitter would uh, be punching a little bit above that kind of weight uh, versus... Uh... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Versus competitors like Facebook uh, and the like. I mean, it, 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 it's absolutely astounding to me that the advertising dollars are not a lot higher compared to competitors. I, I simply don't know the answer. So, you know, a sample of one. But when I'm on YouTube or Facebook, I'm inundated with advertisements, probably also on Instagram. I made the mistake of, of probably looking at a condo for sale once and I got every condo that's now for sale right. wherever right. I go uh, that uh, finds me on Instagram. I don't get that on Twitter. I don't get inundated with ads. Yeah, well, you 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 would think you would be. <laughs> you probably should be. Someone's not doing their job properly. We're gonna take a break. And uh, when we come back, I'm gonna ask Jay about this. Uh, there's been a bunch of uh, articles recently about um, these high-profile CEOs, and, uh, and, and particularly in the tech world, and whether that's good for companies or bad for companies. Stay with us. Back in two. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca. Welcome back, everyone, to the Brian Crombie Radio Hour on Saga 960. My guest tonight is Jay Rosenzweig, who is the CEO founder of Rosenzweig & Company, a recruiting company uh, here in Toronto that recruits senior executives, board members, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, Jay is also very involved in uh, charitable organizations, anti-black racism, uh, 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 freedom, free speech, uh, etc. cetera. Um, 
Jay, I wonder if we can switch from talking about Twitter just for a second. Uh, there's been you know, a huge decline in tech stocks uh, in the last little while, a uh, huge uh, number of layoffs or, or resignations or firings uh, uh, in, uh, in tech companies of late. And there's been a couple of articles recently that say that part of the problem is that uh, too many of these CEOs and you know uh, the big um, the big Bitcoin company is one example, but there's several others. The CEOs were too bent on building up their own image. Um, more than building up the company, and uh, and there was this old adage uh, that uh, that uh, some investors talked about. Maybe it was twenty years ago, um, but that if uh, if a CEO uh, got a big award, got on a magazine, bought a jet, bought a sports team, that's when you wanted to sell the stock because the the CEO was more interested in in the perks of being a big big shot than uh, than actually uh, producing profit. Um, where do you come out? Should CEOs have big images, uh, big images, uh, big brands on their own, or or should they be, you know, just working for the betterment of the company? Well, I'll tell you what. Like, I'm I'm pretty counterintuitive um, in terms of the traits that I look for in a leader for my clients. Um, for me, humility is at the top of the list. Um, uh, so I think I think these articles and you make a point in uh, being, being uh, you know, a bit leery about um, uh, uh, leaders who have too big an ego. I like when I'm in interviewing a, a candidate for a CEO job, I like to hear some humility. I like to hear them giving credit to their team for some of the accomplishments that they've had historically, giving credit to uh, favorable market wins, whatever it might be. Um, of course, a healthy dose of ego is important when you're leading an enterprise. But if, if you have too much of an ego, uh, you might struggle to ask for help. Um, you might struggle to try to continue learning. Curiosity is another area that's extremely important to me as I assess candidates. So um, it, does, it does reach a point with certain leaders when they've experienced some success that they um, that they lose that edge, Goes and, their head. Uh, I do and I do think it's something that uh, one needs to be very very careful of when when investing in a company. Uh, the kind of leader who's a little bit too much about themselves. I've been reading a lot uh, lately of people, uh, management consultants, and other people that think that empathy is this new trait that uh, leaders yeah. should have. Um, which yeah. is certainly not consistent with what the, you know, the leader that we just described or the type of leader we just described or the leaders that we think of uh, from a generation ago. Uh, do you think leaders need to be empathetic or do they need to be hard-nosed and driven? I think, I think the new leader of today needs to have a lot of empathy. It's a different kind of leader than, let's say, the leader of, of the past who was uh, banging their fist on the table, demanding results. And, and an intimidator. I don't think the new generation really responds to that kind of leader anymore. Um, more and more, what I'm finding is if you're a leader who thinks of um, his or her team as uh, as people that they are serving, um, that they they need to understand from the point of view of what makes them tick, um, and uh, and have some empathy for where they're coming from and the things that they enjoy doing, um, and even empathy for their personal lives. If uh, if issues come up in in a teammate's personal life, those are the kinds of individuals who, 
if you're there for them under those kinds of circumstances, they'll go for bat. They'll go to bat for you uh, when when the uh, chips are down and you need them. Um, so that's the kind of leader I think that um, would be most successful into the future. You make the point in your article about Twitter that uh, Elon Musk is running several companies, Twitter and uh, and a car company and uh, and SpaceX, etc. Um, but most people would think of him as a micromanager. Uh, do you look for micromanagement in a leader or is that a bad trait in a leader? Um, in general, I, I, I think that micromanagement is uh, is not a good trait to have. Um, I think uh, you need to give your people um, rope to succeed and uh, and to come to you with wins and, 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 and creativity that spurs wins. Um, I take the approach that um, uh, you assume optimistically um, within a certain amount of rope. Obviously, uh, you can't put the whole enterprise at risk um, with a new uh, with a new team member, but um, give them as much rope as they possibly can can take, and uh, and be optimistic that they'll succeed. Um, and I think that's the way to motivate individuals to really. Um, even exceed their own expectations and, and do wonderful things for an enterprise. If uh, Elon Musk gave you a call and asked you to come and present uh, Jay Rosenzweig and uh, Rosenzweig and company and uh, tell tell him how you would actually go about this search and what you would be looking for, what would you say? I'd say to him that uh, I'd need to, first of all, sit down with him and go through uh, his perspective on the business what its potential can can be, what his vision is. Um, and I would indicate to him that I would need to have a back and forth with him and he'd need to um, respect my point of view as well so that we can together uh, with any other stakeholders that uh, he feels would need to provide input on business objectives. And once we have a clear understanding of what the business objectives are, I could then present to him a research strategy um, with categories of businesses and individuals uh, who could fit the bill and help him fulfill his business objectives. And then uh, we'd be off to the races uh, on an extremely comprehensive uh, process that I think he'd be very pleased with. How long would it take? It would take us about two months to develop um, uh, the proper strategy, uh, the proper targets and individuals that we'd, we'd, uh, we'd want to approach, probably another couple of months to, um, to bring in a, a long list of, let's say, 100 uh, candidates who we feel could theoretically fit the bill and do assessments. Um, given how senior the role is and, and the senior level of the leader, uh, we might be uh, taking them out of uh, current business where they're currently employed, which would require all kinds of notice periods and the like. Um, so I'd say optimistically, we could have uh, we can have a great candidate for them within six months, possibly possibly longer, but I'd say six months is realistic. I went through one recruiting process where uh, I, I did have a, a good uh, recommendation um, uh, to the individual, but uh, sat down for dinner with the guy and he offered me the job that night. 
Uh, so it was a pretty short uh, recruiting process. Another one uh, that uh, took probably four or five months, uh, um, something like six rounds of interviews uh, with uh, three different levels of people, including a recruiter, so four, and then a psychoanalysis, an aptitude analysis, recommendation, reference letters, you know, et cetera, took uh, an unbelievable amount of time. Yeah. Which is the normal, which is better? Well, I think uh, you do have to be nimble. If, if it happens to be that early on you have a great candidate um, and you need to move quickly on that candidate or you might lose them, um, you know, you grab them at the right time. Um, but that means you're sacrificing process. That's okay every once in a while. Um, so, you know, that would contract my search quite a bit. You know, theoretically, we can have someone in a month. <laughs> under those circumstances. But the issue here is Twitter is so much in the public eye and there's so little confidence right now in that business that I think um, unless some extraordinary individual appears that you must have, I think it's important even to have the integrity of the process and the comprehensiveness of the process see its way through to the end. Um, so I'd highly recommend that uh, in this case. And if you were a senior executive or even an intermediate executive and you thought that you could become the CEO of Twitter or the CEO of some other company, what would you be your recommendation about how you'd go about uh, applying for the job? Well, that's a tough one because it's difficult, um, you know, in Twitter's case to, 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 to reach Elon. Um, but what you would do is you would, you would draft, in my opinion, uh, a list of traits that you think would be required for a business like Twitter. Uh, for the right leader and um, and very methodically lay out how you fit that bill uh, and perhaps even draft the paper in terms of how you'd approach what your plan would be to uh, to take uh, Twitter into uh, the next levels of success. Um, maybe publish it publicly. <laughs> um, you know, do your best to uh, bring it to any Twitter executives you can get to even through in-mails on LinkedIn um, there's always a way to reach um, to reach the right people if you hustle hard enough. Um, but I think it, it would require a, a great deal of hustle. Um, always a way a business, to reach the right people if you hustle hard enough. That's a good adage. Yeah, I, I, I strongly believe that. I mean, I've I've done that in my own business development activities and 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 other uh, you know other times when I aspired to develop a relationship with, with, with people who you may have thought years ago would have been unrealistic. Um, where there's a will, there's a way. I had one recruiter tell me that uh, cover letters were passe and someone else say, no, resumes are past historical looking and cover letters are forward looking. They're the ways that you talk about the problems that the company has and the vision that you would bring to the company. What do you think? I, I like cover letters very much. I think cover letters are super important. Um, in fact, I always request a cover letter that I could forward, whether it's um, in a business development context, helping uh, a business that I'm invested in get to the right investors or, or business people, um, or, or in the context of career. Because in a cover letter, you can really customize who you are, what you wanna do, and why you think you add value to the individual I'm bringing your profile to. So I think cover letters are extremely important. Resumes are as well, but if you, um, 
if you uh, are very meticulous on LinkedIn, um, LinkedIn can really serve the same purpose as uh, as a resume. I heard that something like 97% of jobs today are filled through LinkedIn and Indeed or something like that. Uh, why is there still a, a, a reason for people like you to work? <laughs> because at the most senior levels, you, you need you need a much more strategic approach. Um, the very best leadership candidates are not applying for jobs on on uh, LinkedIn or uh, or some of these other apps that you're referring to. Um, and we provide along the way a lot of advice to our clients and recommendations. I interviewed an economist uh, yesterday who uh, thinks that uh, this is going to be the year for the employee, that uh, it's going to be bad for investors because uh, he thinks interest rates are going to stay high and liquidity is going to be a challenge, et cetera. Um, but that because uh, uh, inflation has been high and workers are now going to start catching up, but at the same time, unemployment is low, that it's going to be a great year for workers. What do you think? Well, I hope so. I, I'm very sympathetic uh, uh, to uh, to workers, so I hope it's uh, I hope it's a good year for them. I think it's going to be uh, a challenging year all around, including for founders of businesses and investors. I think valuations are going to be a lot lower. Um, I think we're in for a rough year. I hope I'm wrong, um, but if one segment of society, namely the workers, um, are are able to uh, leverage the scenario and and do well for themselves. And I think that's great. Jay Rosenzweig of uh, Rosenzweig Partners, uh, recruiting company here in Toronto. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. I really appreciate your insight. It's been a pleasure. Lots of fun. Talk soon, Brian. Really appreciate it. We're going to take a break uh, for some final messages and come back with including comments in just a minute. Stay with us. Stream us live at saga960am.ca. Welcome back to the Brian Crombie Radio Hour on Saga 960. Jay uh, Rosenwig had some really good suggestions, I think, for us all, both in hiring as well as in leadership, as well as, frankly, in life. Uh, I thought his comments about uh, some of the leaders that he looks for that he wants to hire show humility, show curiosity, show empathy or compassion or kindness. Uh, rather than the sort of command and control assertiveness and aggressiveness that we would have typically thought of as CEOs in the past. I thought that's kind of interesting. Humility, curiosity, empathy, compassion, kindness, authenticity. Interesting descriptive words. I'm reminded of uh, a guy I worked for, Jimmy Patterson, uh, who uh, used to always say, you know, in the end, people buy from people, people want to work for people. And uh, people want to do deals with people. In the end, it's all about people. It's all about people relationships. You can have a good opportunity. You can have a good financial analysis. You can have a good product. You can have a good technology. But in the end, the person you buy from, the individual you hire, the worst and you, person you work for, the relationship you build in a, in a transaction, in a deal is another person. And you want people that are real, that are authentic that are hopefully kind, that, you know, maybe are have some humility. I also found, you know, this uh, back and forth that uh, Jay and I had in regards to this uh, 
this attitude of uh, if the the ego of the founder or the CEO became too big, that uh, they bought a sports team, got on a front page of a magazine, cover a magazine, um, uh, bought a jet plane, um, et cetera, were reasons why you might want to sell the company. And I think there's some truth for that. And I've frankly had some personal experience in that regard. And I think that, uh, I think there's truth in that. It, it should be more about the company. It should be more about the the vision of the company that it should be about uh, the the success star stardom of the of the founder. Uh, I think that uh, there's an academic uh, concept uh, called the shadow of the future that is kind of interesting to apply and think about here. The the this concept that's been studied about the shadow of the future is if you deal with someone only once, you can be uh, an a hole. Um, but if you're going to deal with someone more than once, in other words, you know, it's a selling, an ongoing selling relationship, or you want a recommendation from that person to someone else, or if you're worried about a bad recommendation or reference from that person to someone else, uh, or it's an ongoing partnership or joint venture arrangement or, or whatever it is, you got to have a good relationship. It's got to be a win-win kind of a situation. The win-lose that so many of us think about in, uh, in, in negotiations or bargaining or deals or whatnot only really works if you're going to be dealing with that person once because they're going to be so pissed off and upset. They're not going to want to deal with you again. The other thing that's uh, sort of academically been studied is game theory. Um, and uh, there's this whole concept of game theory and why it works and why it doesn't work and, and, and what it proves. But the thing that came out of it that I like the most, coming back to this win-win versus win-lose, is that if you try to force someone into a lose situation, the best, always the best strategy, which makes intuitive sense, is tit for tat. So if someone messes you up, you should mess them up. If they put you into a win-lose, you put them into a, a, a lose-win scenario. Uh, it's a tit for tat. And if someone gives you a win, you give them a win. And, and, and so the best scenario is win-win-win all the way along, uh, rather than uh, this win-lose, lose-win, win-lose, lose-win. Uh, tit for tat going back. But it is interesting that computer simulations, game simulations, people over and over again say the best way to discipline someone if they're not playing the game is to do a tit for tat kind of response, which says that really, if you have any kind of a future with people, you can't be an a-hole. You got to be reasonable because all they're going to do is they're going to be that back to you and, and, uh, and, and, and you're going to be in this vicious circle until someone gets out of it. Uh, so I think that there's a lot of interesting learning here in regards to what Jay had to say about the leaders that we want and the CEOs that we want to hire and frankly, the bosses that we want to work for. In survey after survey, 57% of people that leave jobs actually don't leave the job, don't leave the company. They quit bosses. People that don't have good bosses quit. The vast majority of turnover is caused by the boss, not by something else. And that compensation, while it's important, is not the only thing. It's recognition, it's encouragement, it's education, it's professional advancement. It's all those other things that come with a good relationship, not just uh, compensation. And so I guess in the end, out of this whole analysis of, uh, of what new leaders are today, and, uh, and and what you want to do is you want to have a, a good relationship with people long-term in hiring, whether it be for for uh, Twitter or 
or something else is I guess put in the process the unexpected uh, um, person, the uh, the person that you uh, that you wouldn't expect to be part of the process uh, in setting up boards, uh, charitable organizations, and things like that. Someone came to me and said, "Always make sure that there's a couple of unexpected people at the table." Um, and you don't have to listen to them all the time. You don't have to choose them to be the leader, but you want them in the process to to shake things up, to be a little bit out of the box, to see if there's a radical new idea, to think about whether the process is. And so I guess what Jay is saying is don't dismiss them. You, you don't have to hire that out of the box, that unusual, that, that very different uh, individual that's got the different experience set. Uh, I have uh, gone from different industries. I started out in the restaurant business, hotel business, uh, entertainment business, beer business, um, conglomerate business, pharmaceutical business, hockey business, um, uh, pharmaceutical uh, uh, pharmaceutical business, biopharma, uh, medical device, real estate, all over the map. But finance, strategy, people have been constants in everything. And so when you're thinking about hiring, when you're thinking about putting into board together a board of directors, when you're thinking about a friend group, when you're thinking about um, people you want to invite to a dinner party. I think it's all good advice. Invite the unusual suspect to the table, the unusual person, the out of the box idea. Think about diversity, think about inclusion. And in the end, you might find that uh, that person is the, the person to choose. Anyway, two cents on Jay's, um, Jay's interview and his suggestions on interviewing for the CEO of Twitter. I remind you, I'm on every Monday through Friday at 6 o'clock on 960 AM. You can stream me online at saga960am.ca. You can get all my podcasts and videocasts on my website, briancrombie.com. Good night, everybody. No radio? No problem. Stream us live on saga960am.ca.